Most of us will do everything we can to avoid waiting in line. Would you raise your hand if you hate waiting in line? I'm with you. So much so that many of us will pay extra for certain products or for entrance into certain parks just so we don't have to wait in line. So the question is, how do you explain those people who, for whatever reason, they will camp out in line for certain experiences or certain products? For example, Duke University. Did you know that, that students will begin camping out a month before basketball season just so that they can get tickets to the game? They call it camping season, and they will exchange sleeping in a nice warm dorm room to sleeping in a tent outside. And if you know anything about the late fall and early winter in North Carolina, it's not unusual for the temperature to fall into 30 degrees, for there to be uh, freezing rain and ice and snow that time of year. But it doesn't matter because they want those basketball tickets and they're willing to camp out. Have you ever heard of a cronut? You're probably eating a donut, but a cronut is a hybrid between a croissant and a donut. And French chef Dominique Ansel at his bakery in New York City came up with a cronut and trademarked it 10 years ago. They change flavors every month. And for the last 10 years, they've never repeated a flavor. And the Dominique Ansel Bakery opens every day at 8 a.m., but if you're going to have any chance of getting a cronut, you have to start standing in line at 5.30. So the lines down Spring Street around the corner in New York City have become a fixture every morning of people wanting a cronut. So the question is, why do people camp out for days for something like an iPhone or for hours at Disney Japan for a leather bracelet that they can personalize and trade. Why do people do that if otherwise we hate waiting in line? Business Insider Magazine says that people are willing to wait in line on special occasions as a form of what they call self-signaling. It's a matter of identity. If you camp out at Duke, for basketball tickets, you become a Cameron crazy. If you camp out 5.30 in the morning for a cronut, you're one of those people who can take a picture of it, put it on Instagram, tell the rest of us how good it is and how much we're missing out. When you camp out for an iPhone, you didn't just get an iPhone, you got one of the first iPhones, right? And so it's a matter of identity. You're in the in crowd. You're a part of the trend. You can tell everybody else you've done it. So here's my question for you to consider this morning. If camping out and waiting in line identifies one's dedication to a team or to a product, then what does our willingness to prevail in prayer, say about our identity in the Lord. I would flip the question around and say this, what does our unwillingness, compared to someone this morning who was there today at 5.30 for a cronut, 
What does our unwillingness to prevail in prayer say about our relationship, our identity in the Lord? What I mean by prevail in prayer is this, you're camping out on God. You are going to God until He answers. And we have a, an example of prevailing prayer in Daniel chapter 9 and, and Daniel chapter 10. As a matter of fact, by the time you get to Daniel chapter 10, Daniel's in his 80s. And, and he's fasted for days. He's mourned for three weeks. He's, he's intently camping out on God in prayer. So much so that in verse 9, I think he just passes out cold. Says he goes into a deep sleep with my face to the ground. He's so weary and tired, and he's expended so much energy in prayer. But what you and I have this morning as a result of Daniel's prevailing prayer is an incredible revelation of a spiritual reality. And that is when God's people prevail in prayer, God does amazing things. And so I want us to see from the example of Daniel in, in prevailing prayer this morning, what God does when, when his people prevail in prayer. And I want to let you know this, this morning, I just want to give you an overview of Daniel chapter 9 and chapter 10. And I want to introduce some things, because I want us to plant down here for a little bit. There's a lot of things we need to learn about prevailing prayer here. And I want to introduce some things that I'm going to talk about in the weeks to come. So this morning, I just want to introduce this to you, and I want to encourage you to go and read it and study it over the next couple of weeks as it challenges us to prevail in prayer. Because when God's people prevail in prayer, number one, God fulfills his promises. God fulfills his promises. Look at Daniel chapter 9, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 2. He's talking about Darius. He says, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that, according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet, must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely seven, 70 years. So get this, Daniel is studying the writings of Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord through the prophet Jeremiah. Daniel is studying the word of God. And he perceives that God has made a promise. That he will deliver his people and bring them back after 70 years. But it hasn't happened. So what does Daniel do? Look at verse 3. Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. That phrase right there, then I turned my face to the Lord God, means that Daniel camped out on God in prayer. Listen, if the church does not pray, the church has no power. If the church does not pray, the church has no power. And then I would go from the example of, of Daniel here, I would say this. If the church does not pray, it may be because it's ignorant of the promises and purposes of God. Daniel was in the Word. 
and he saw what God had promised in the word was different than what he was experiencing in the world. And so he camped out on God and he prevailed in prayer until God did what he said he was going to do. What is it in your life that is a promise or a, a purpose of God that you see in the word, but maybe you're not experiencing in your life and in your family. Man, I want to encourage you to prevail in prayer and camp out on God. What is it in our church that is a promise that he has made in his word, that is a purpose that he has laid out for his people, the, the power that he has promised to pour out on us. When will we be in the word studying it enough to realize the situation in the word and the situation in our world is so different and we just camp out on God until he does what he says he's going to do. That's prevailing prayer. In New York City, people get a cronut for fear of missing out. I saw it on Instagram. I saw it on social media. Everybody's been telling me how good it is. I want to be one of those people who take that picture so that I can tell everybody else how good it really was because I've experienced it myself. Should that not be us in the Word of God? Fear of missing out. Man, wanting, wanting to see what God says and then watch God work in this world. The only way that we experience those powerful promises and those prayers, is, or those powers is through prevailing prayer. Jesus said it like this, when your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That ought to be our fear of missing out. So number one, when God's people prevail in prayer, God fulfills his promises. Number two, when God's people prevail in prayer, God forgives sin and restores favor. When God's people prevail in prayer, God forgives sin and restores favor. Listen, just because God promised something doesn't mean you're ready to receive it. And Daniel realizes, hey, the timer has gone off on God's promise. But there's a problem. And the problem isn't Darius. The problem isn't enough funding to, to return to Israel. That's, it's not a lack of resources. The problem is that promise is conditioned upon repentance and obedience. And many of God's promises, most of God's promises and his purposes and our participation in them are conditioned upon our obedience to what God says. And so look at what Daniel says. Not only, not only does he start camping out in God in verse 3, but I prayed to the Lord my God and, and notice his motivation. He knows the Lord. I, I made confession saying, because he knows who God is, he can do what we see him do next. Oh Lord God, great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let me ask you this, Liberty Baptist Church, do you believe the word of God is true? Do you believe that Jesus died for sin? Do you believe that God loves sinners? And do you believe that God forgives sin? Then why don't we confess it? And repent. 
and experience the refreshing and the revival and the return and the power and the promise. Because we know who God is, verse 5, we have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled and turned aside from your commandments and your rules. And we have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. Notice Daniel did not just say passingly in prayer, God, please forgive us of all of our sin." I saw something interesting in Dothan last week. Have you ever seen them harvest peanuts? That's different. I, I did not realize the process, but they're in the harvest season down there right now, and Dothan is a peanut capital of the world, kind of like we're the flooring capital of the world, right? So they're harvesting the peanuts. And do, do you realize what they do? They go through these big discs, and they, they literally pull the, the whole plant up out of the ground. And they let the peanuts sit there for days in the sun and dry, and then they go through and harvest all the peanuts, right? That's exactly what Daniel has done. Man, he has, he has turned over the soil. Because confession is not just about what you've done. But confession is getting before God about why you've done it. We've turned aside. We've sinned. We've done wrong. We've wickedly rebelled, and we've not listened to the servants, your prophets. And so, man, he is going to God, and he is tilling the soil, and he is turning it over to get what's underneath it on top of it. Why? Because sin is a wet blanket on God's blessings. The situation is described perfectly in Isaiah chapter 1. In Isaiah chapter 1, there's tons of activity. Man, there's, there's festivals and there's prayers and there's feasts. They're observing the calendar that God would have them. They're making sacrifices. They have priests. They're, they're attending the services. They're going in and out. And yet God says, I'm not going to respond. Not only does he say, I'm not going to respond, but he's withdrawing his blessing and his favor from the people. And he describes it like this in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 4. Why? Because you are a people laden with iniquity. And that word laden with iniquity is a wet blanket of sin that quenches the blessings and favor of God. Plenty of activity but laden with iniquity. And that's hard for us because we like practical solutions to problems, don't we? If something's not going the way we want it to go, we like to point it out. Well, man, it's a leadership issue or it's a, it's a decision. We, we had a bad strategy or we need more resources or we, we just, if you can point to a problem, you can work hard enough to solve it to kind of bring back the, the power and the, and the favor of the situation. But notice, Daniel did not pray for Darius. We know the Lord can, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. He didn't pray for the king's mind to change. He didn't pray for the resources to return. He confessed sin. And sometimes you 
may be in a situation, you've got an adequate leader. You've made good decisions. It's a sound strategy. You've got plenty of resources. But when the favor and the power of God are withdrawn, maybe the problem is we're living in sin. The timer had gone off on God's promises, but they were not ready to receive them until Daniel had tilled the heart and turned over the soil to get what was underneath up on top of it. But man, when he prevails in prayer and repents of sin, listen, God responds because he's a covenant-keeping, loving God. Now, Here's where, if you haven't buckled your seatbelt yet, I need to hear a click, right? Because get ready for this. Number three, when God's people prevail in prayer, God sets spiritual movements into motion. When God's people prevail in prayer, God sets spiritual movements into motion. Daniel chapter 9, let's go down to verse 20. <laughs> Whew. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my plea before the Lord my God for the holy hill of my God, while I was speaking in prayer, all of a sudden, you and I begin to see something that's a reality that we typically don't see. All of a sudden, you realize the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth collide, just like Jesus said. And this is one of those rare instances when our material eyes begin to see spiritual things. Look at this. He says, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, who we know is an angel, not just a man whom I had seen in the vision that first came to me in swift flight. Swift flight means the situation is really about to change. In the time of the evening sacrifice. And he made me understand, speaking with me and saying, Oh, Daniel, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out. And I've come to tell you, for you are greatly loved. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. So, I don't have time to dive into this entire thing. But here's three questions I want you to consider. As you read this and you study this, and we talk about this over the next three, four, five weeks. Ready? Question number one is this. What else does seeing something like this explain in the Bible when you see people waiting on God in fasting and prayer? What else does this explain? Because you don't see this everywhere else. But what else does this explain where, where they would not move, even though God had promised it, even though they knew it was God's purpose? They would not move until they had prevailed in prayer with fasting and waiting. So number two, what might this reveal about our church? As you read this and you consider this over the next couple of weeks, I just want to, I want you to ponder that and pray about that. God, you don't see this all over the place, but what does this reveal about our church? Number three, 
what might this help explain about something you did or did not experience in prayer? What might this explain about something you did or did not experience in prayer? So now let me just draw attention to some key points right here. Number one is this. Verse 23 of Daniel chapter 9 tells us when Daniel started praying, God began moving spiritual powers. God sent him Gabriel. He says, man, a word went out. And so the promise, listen, the promise God had made, I'm going to bring him back after 70 years, but he didn't start moving until Daniel started praying. Then the word went out. The word is God's will. The word is God's power. The word is God's way. It is the creative situation changing decree of God. But he didn't get the word. Even though the promise was made, he didn't get the word until they prevailed in prayer. How many things in our church do we feel like God wants it, but we're not seeing it? How might this encourage us to prevail in prayer so that a word would go out? Number two, verses 22 and 23. Only after Daniel began to pray did he gain understanding and insight. Notice, he said, I'm going to give you understanding and insight into one of the most amazing things that God has promised. We could argue it is the centerpiece of Scripture, the end times. And it's not that God didn't want him to understand these things, but he didn't give him understanding and insight until he prevailed in prayer. What are some things that in prevailing prayer that that maybe it's in God's word, but we don't see how it might apply to our situation. But in prevailing prayer, we see what God would have us to do based on what he has said and he has purposed and he has promised. That kind of insight and understanding does not come to us naturally. It only comes through prevailing prayer. Number three. I need to hear the seatbelt click because look at chapter 10. In chapter 10, there's a delay. Chapter 9, he prays, he gets the answer almost immediately. Chapter 10, he doesn't. In chapter 10, he says the word was true, and it was, and I want you to notice this, a great conflict. He understood the word, and had understanding of the vision. So in chapter 10, the situation is different. Daniel understands what's going on. He knows what God's going to do, but there's a conflict in chapter 10 that changes everything. So he says, I was, in verse 2, in those days I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. He ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered his mouth. He didn't anoint himself for, and he says, three full weeks. He goes into a deep sleep in verse 9. Verse 10, behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees and said to me, you hear it again, you heard it in chapter 9, listen to this, O Daniel, man greatly loved, 
Understand the words that I speak to you. Stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. And he said to me, fear not, Daniel, from the first day that you set your heart to understand, you humbled yourself before your God. Your words have been heard. We, exactly what we saw in chapter 9. He prayed and the word went out. And I've come because of your words. God set the spiritual movement into motion. But here's the difference. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. But Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there in the, with the kings of Persia. And he came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision of the days is yet to come. He says, man, the word went out, but it's taken me three weeks to get here. A conflict. Verse 15, when he spoke in these words, I turned my face to the ground. I was mute, man. He's just overwhelmed by this. Then I opened my mouth and I said to him who stood before me, Oh, my Lord, by reason of the vision, pains have come upon me and I, I retain no strength. Let me ask you this question. When's the last time you prevailed in prayer so much it inconvenienced your life? When's the last time you prevailed in prayer so much it wearied your body, it wore you out? How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord for now? No strength remains in me and no breath is left in me. Verse 18, again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O man, greatly loved, fear not, peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. As he spoke to me, I was strengthened. And he said, let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, do you know why I've come to you? But now I will return to fight. See, he's telling him, I was delayed because of a conflict, but man, it's not over yet. But he's strengthened now. He's ready now. He has understanding now. He says, I'll return to fight against the prince of Persia. When I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side against these except Michael, your prince. Wow. We're going to get into that. But here's what I want you to understand from today, because this is where we get misguided in something like this. The Bible only gives us a few passages that reveal to us the ways of angels or their conflict with demons or, or these things of spiritual powers like Ephesians chapter 6 and spiritual warfare and all that kind of stuff. A passage like this is not written to inspire your study of angels, demons, or spiritual conflict. A passage like this is written so that you and I may prevail in prayer. That's what ought to interest us. What we ought to glean from this is, is, first of all, that our prayer lives ought to be informed by God's Word. We ought to see God's purposes and His plans and His promises in His Word and say, my world is not like that, and so this is what's going to inform my prayer list. And I'm going to grab a hold of God until I see this, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the informant and inspiration of our prayers. 
This, this tells us the powerful things to pray and to engage in so that God might move. Number two, that we might receive God's promises out of obedience, thus making us aware of our sin and willing to confess it before God. That's something we ought to see in this passage, is the importance of a clean life, of a church living in sin. It'll be like a wet blanket on the promises and purposes of God. You may have an adequate leader, a good strategic plan, plenty of resources, but man, if we are living in sin, God will withdraw His favor and His blessing. Number three, we ought to see in this that if we prevail in prayer, our God is good to allow us to lay hold of his promises and his power. And in studying this, I came to a realization I've never really, I've never really grabbed onto before. But this is in the word of God in Psalm 8 and Hebrews chapter 2. It refers to this. But do you realize that God has created us relatively weak? Especially fallen in sin. Psalm chapter 8 and Hebrews chapter 2 says that man, listen, this is an amazing thing. Even though he is given dominion, we know that he gave us dominion over the earth. We have great authority, but we are a little lower than the angels. It's a, it's a paradox. God, why would you give dominion over someone who has no power to engage in this conflict? Because we know the great power of angels and demons. Oh my goodness, it's all through Scripture. God has given them great power, but He did not give them prayer. He did not give his people much power, but he did give us prayer. Listen, we trust that the angels and God's power will prevail for us, do we not? Do you not realize the angels trust that we will prevail in prayer? Because it is in that prayer that the word goes out. Why? I don't know. But that's what happens. So we must prevail in prayer. So Bob Payne's here this morning. Good to see him. He's, he's going to teach our Experiencing God class starting in January. And you may have 10 questions you want to ask Bob, but he's got to go preach this morning. So he's going to listen to the sermon and he's going to get out like it made him mad. Y'all right? Y'all with me? All right. But he turned me on to a book by Samuel Chadwick about prayer. And Samuel Chadwick wrote this in 1931. He said this, listen to this. Nothing could turn the nation back to God so surely and so quickly as a church that prayed and prevailed. The world will never believe in a religion in which there is no supernatural power. Listen, your teenagers will never believe in a religion where there is no supernatural power. 
your children cannot believe there is more power in Harry Potter than there is the church. A rationalized faith, a socialized church, and a moralized gospel may gain applause, but they awaken no conviction and win no converts. Was someone this morning at 5.30 a.m. more willing to stand in line for a cronut than we are to prevail in prayer. If God's people prevail in prayer, God fulfills his promises. He forgives sin and he restores favor. And God sets in motion spiritual movements that change physical material situations if we prevail in prayer. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me for just a moment? Why not us? Why not now? To begin to beg God for perseverance, for power in prayer, to prevail, for it to interrupt our lives, for us to lay a hold of what God has for us. We have so many good things that God is doing in this church, but Y'all, I'll just be honest with you. I feel like there is a wet blanket on many things because there is sin, not just in one or two lives, but in many lives. I believe there is self-righteousness pervasive in this church. I believe there is secret sin in our men pervasive in our church. I believe materialism is pervasive in our church. I believe our failure to trust the Lord is pervasive in our church. And ignorance of God's word is pervasive in our church. Y'all, we can't. And God, God is, man, he's given us a whole bunch of carpet. He's supplied so many things to, for us to pray. He sent people here. That means there's so many. He keeps showing us, I want to move, but I just feel like there's something in the conflict. That if we do not prevail in prayer, we will not see the fullness of what God would have done. Because don't miss this, the passage implies, had Daniel not started praying, the promise would not have been enacted. And listen, Daniel chapter 10, had Daniel stopped praying on day 18 or day 20, he would not have seen what was coming to him on day 21. Let us not fall short of prevailing prayer. So I want to pray for you. Linda's going to help us. We'll give you about a verse and a chorus. I want us to, to pray together this morning. If you're here this morning and you realize, I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, there'll be some people just standing down here. You go to them. They'll take the Word of God. They'll show you how to be saved. But if you're here this morning and you are inspired and informed by the example of Daniel, let us begin to prevail in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, I pray. You teach us to pray. Thank you for helping us to see something 
that happens when God's people prevail in prayer. And so we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Those that want to come to the altar or sit in the seat, you 